Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Cast. Joining me this week is just Wes. Uh, we'll be recapping the Panthers 2022 NFL Draft. Um, and we'll uh, kind of start here at the top, Wes. Scott did it again. Uh, the board couldn't have failed any better to us this year. Um, if last week, if I told you that you could have got the top left tackle and your top rated quarterback coming out of this draft, how would you have felt? Well, I would have told you you're a liar. Um, and I also would have thought we'd have given up a whole lot more than next year's third. Um, I, I mean, we all kind of envisioned the quarterbacks falling. Um, I didn't quite envision this. And, and I mean, it almost looks like the Steelers reached for, for Pickett at this point. But, uh, um, man, I've got the most hope I've had as a Panthers fan in a couple of years, probably, uh, since before Teddy. So that's what going on that Teddy was two years ago around this and around this time. So before, so three years, really in three years, the most hope I've had as a Panthers fan. Yeah. And that last year was kind of a wash too, with two games out of cam and then Kyle Allen. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you, you nailed it. I mean, you, you have your a franchise left tackle and you have a potential franchise quarterback uh, that you didn't have to part with anything more than that third with. And he was also, like we talked about, he was our number one quarterback, but it appears that he was also Ben McAdoo's guy, and Carolina had him ranked there as their uh, top quarterback option as well. Yeah, and, I mean, I, we talked about it for months now. Um, I don't really think he was on a lot of Panthers fans' radars as far as the the, the thought of, of us getting him. I think the, the rule pick it. Tepper trifecta combination, whatever you want to call it, was was one of the storylines. And then the infatuation for um, Malik Willis was the other storyline. And the the Malik thing, um, it was a, a small sub, subsection of the fan base prior to the Senior Bowl and then a, a, a very loud um minority at the senior bowl i feel like really picked up picked it up with that um i i have no clue what their thoughts on were were on the league and i saw a lot of people saying if if both of them were there at 94 would we have gone malik and i think the answer is no i think it was always corral if we were going to take one 
Um, if the if the right people had say in the pick, I'll, I'll go there. I think Tepper did. I think there was some real realness to Tepper wanting Pickett, but um, that's why owners shouldn't make football decisions. But um, but yeah, I mean the on, on, the film doesn't lie to me, and, and you can. This is kind of going to be contradicting to a little bit about what we're going to talk about later. The measurables, they they are what they are. Um, but to me, the film doesn't lie, and and that the film was the best, pretty easily for Corral. Yeah, hands down. Uh, playing in the SEC, playing in that um, the RPO offense, which Ben McAdoo says that he likes quarterbacks who who run uh, an RPO um, uh, offense. Um, but looking back, I mean. Through the whole process, uh, I mean, we felt that Corral was the was the top guy in this class. I mean, I think he, at each point throughout this process, maybe one quarterback got more buzz than another at certain times. And there's always been the picket connection. There's been the the Willis smoke. Um, Corral just wasn't really ever talked about out in the mainstream media. Um, but I think Scott Fitter did a good job of not letting anybody get a good read on what they wanted to do this uh, this draft. I mean, you look at all the reports that came out. I mean, even the the Charles Cross stuff, the Evan Neal stuff, uh, Kenny Pickett was the, was the main one. Malik Willis had some there for a while. Um, even way back to the the Sauce Gardner um, stuff with Todd McShay mocking him to Carolina for whatever reason. Um, but never – throughout this whole process, I'll say that I, did, I thought getting Corral in the third and getting Icky in the first was ever a realistic possibility. Yeah. The, to me, I did, as it, as we got close to the draft, I thought there was a very slim chance that we could get back into the second and get Corral. Like, like I'm talking pick 40. Um, I did, I, cause it, it had become pretty evident that Corral was going to be a second round pick. Um, I did think, Malik was going to go sometime in the first or maybe right there at the first few picks of the, the second. Um, but I mean, I thought we were going to have to give up uh, next year's second and a f- our fourth pick, fourth round pick this year to try and get back move up and get Corral. So um, I mean, kudos. Now, looking at this, how dumb would it have been to actually taken a quarterback at six? I don't think that was ever a possibility. It would have been, yeah super dumb, but I mean, you had a certain subset of the fan base calling for Malik Lewis at six. So um, if you were one of those people, uh, I don't know what, I, I really truly don't know what to tell you, um, but you got a much better option. So, yeah, uh, like I said, the draft board couldn't have fallen any better for us. Uh, Akeem Aquanu dropping to six. Did you? I mean, I know we didn't think that that was actually going to happen. We thought he was going to either, I mean, three to Houston, four to New York, uh, five to New York. I never saw them, you know, taking Thibodeau at five and opting for Evan Neal. But I, like I mentioned last week, I think that the reason that they went that direction was they were more comfortable with Evan Neal moving him on the right side and having Andrew Thomas on the left side. So I think that that, that played a part in it as well when Icky's played mainly on the left side. So, you know, they, and the Giants left with arguably the number one, number two prospects in this draft class, I'll say, um, you know, even dating back to last year, if you look at mock drafts, they were probably the top two guys, but uh, getting Aquano at six, just, yeah. I mean, this is the, 
the lineman with the biggest ceiling. Um, maybe he has to clean up a little bit on the pass blocking side of things, but as far as run blocking goes, I mean, just an absolute mauler. And if a Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy for a full season, which we don't know what that looks like anymore, then he's going to be running behind one of the best offensive lines that, well, no, the best offensive line that he's ever been behind before. Yeah, and I mean, to me, Neil was my number one tackle, and I think we talked about that a little bit, but I, I think you're it's it's all preference and, and it's all skill set that you're looking for at that point because all, all we like we said last week, we would have been fine with any of the three tackles. I actually thought we were gonna get crossed because I didn't think either the either Icky or Neil were gonna get there. For me, preference was Neil, then Icky, then cross, but I also get I, I, I get going Icky over Neil for us because of the identity that the team this team is gonna have also. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's from the Charlotte area. So, I mean, like I said, any, anything that the fan, I mean, the organization can get to work in their favor at this moment in time. I mean, any little thing. But I think, yeah, we, we, we left with – well, if you listen to the Panthers, this was their number one rated player in the draft. And, and they got their guy. They told him during the visit, hey, hey if you're there, we're, we're taking you. And you could see the excitement that, that Scott had when he was talking about how the board failed to them. Uh, trading back was never a real possibility there once the corners went, and Scott said that himself. So the trade value just wasn't there. Teams just kind of stopped answering the phone. So you 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 still got your number one guy. So I, I think if you're Scott and you're Matt and you're, and you're Tepper, you couldn't have been any more happy with this pick. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, the, the offensive line is the best one that we've had since 08. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair to say. I mean, you could say 13, but 08 was probably better. Yeah, no, 1,000% it was. Yeah. So, and I know that's a long time ago, but still, yeah. um, this is the best offensive line of, of the since Cam Newton was drafted. That's for certain. So, yeah, they did something that they would never do for him. But hey, at least it happened. Yep. So I guess moving on then to the the second round, we did not have a pick. So that and there was some smoke of us trying to get into the second. Ultimately, and and getting into the second was always going to be for a quarterback. And ultimately, the ask just was too high. And I think at that point, they probably thought the ship had sailed on a quarterback. And that was when some Baker smoke kind of started to to hit the timeline. And I think that was probably the Browns applying pressure. But yeah. I, I, I don't know for certain. Yeah, a lot of Cleveland reporters started putting things out. I mean, in that third round, things got pretty wild on Friday night. It went from, uh, I think, uh, one of the guys here in Charlotte saying that a trade for Baker wasn't going to happen that night. Then you had Cleveland people saying that uh, they had made progress. And then Joe Person puts out the tweet that they're in negotiations or in discussions. And next thing you know, we're trading up and taking Matt Corral. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it had to come down to Scott wanting them to eat more money than what they were willing to and also probably not wanting to part with more than a fifth or sixth rounder. So, yeah, if you can get your number one quarterback and you still have, what, $31 million in cap, I mean, after these draft pick signings, we'll be down to, what, 22 
And then they'll step probably save nine for in-season moves, I think was what was reported. So you're still looking at somewhere around 13 million in cap. You can go out there and get that safety. You can go out there and get some line help. There, there's two guys that I want to bring up when we get there after, after we're talking about the draft that you, you pick one and you spend on it, that, that person. That's 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 what that's what we should do with that that 13th, but we'll get there. Um, so then pick 94, we trade up, we give up next year's third and 137 this year. So mm-hmm. tail end of the fourth. I mean, it's at that point it's obvious who it's for, right? Yeah, with, with Ritter gone, Malik gone, Pickett gone, it was Corral. So, yeah, I mean, Scott waited for as long as he could. And like I said, the board failed how they, how they would have dreamt it would have in an ideal situation for him. But, I mean, only giving up that to potentially go up and get a guy who you had rated at the top of your board for that position, not giving up any real asset. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you okay, so you part with a third rounder next year. Okay. Um but you less, got, than, less than you less than you sent for Sam. Yeah, and it's and you would have sent a fifth for Baker, but you had to. I mean, the money situation would have worked itself out, but and one in one year, Baker too. Yeah, and so you're back in this situation next year. Yeah, and and one thing, and I don't see this scenario happening, but everyone's talking about how great the quarterback class is next year. Let's just say this doesn't go well. I don't think that's the case. I really like Matt Corral. But you still have a first rounder next year. Yeah, you're not, you're not, they're not eliminating the possibility of taking a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or whatever. Right. And 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 you have your elite line already locked up at that point. So you're you're able to do that if things don't go well. I don't I don't think that's gonna be the case. I think I think Corral comes in and I'm not sure he does – he may do enough to – I'm not sure he does quite enough, but he may do enough to uh, keep – rule his job. Um, I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I do think pretty quickly he's the guy, the number one quarterback on this team. And I don't I don't see Sam keeping that. Even if Sam is opening opening week starter, I don't think he keeps it very long. Well, even if the season goes how we expect it to and it not to turn out well, those last four weeks of the season when the season's lost or whenever you're eliminated from from postseason play why would it not make sense to go ahead and put Sam in the, I mean, not Sam, put Matt in the start at that point. But, you know, Sam's out here trying to fight for his next paycheck. So his next contract. So I get there probably, I mean, it'll be a, a weird situation, but at that point, you know, rules probably gone once they get eliminated from the playoffs, unless you really buy into Tepper giving him five fucking years and who knows that that scenario could actually happen. But anyways, yeah, when when the season's over with, if if Matt, I mean, if Matt doesn't beat out Sam in camp or if he's not given a chance to whatever, um, you know, you, you start him in those games and you see what you what you have, and I think you can at least get some evaluation done, which is something that they probably should have done on Brady Christensen this year, and they didn't, so we didn't have enough film to evaluate that. I think James Campen mentioned that as well, but you know, that's that's why you use the back half of your season when things go bad, so you can at least see the talent that you have and make these decisions going forward. And I, I don't – I haven't seen this mentioned, and I don't think this is how this would ever play out, but you do have some positional versatility on both your guys on the left. Both have played left guard and left tackle. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that – I'm I, Icky is your left tackle. I'm, I'm going to make that very clear right now. 
but I'm just saying uh, it, it they this this is a regime that does like their versatility and if things are rocky uh, who knows what they could try yeah you, you talk about versatility I mean the, the guy they drafted in the sixth round Cade Mays I mean he played all across the line I mean he started at right tackle this past year he's played 18 games at right guard. I mean, I think the one thing that they realized last year is that, hey, we can't get ourselves in a position that, that we were in last year of, you know, having all these guys and not really having any talent. Like you're, it's a revolving door constantly. You, you, they realized, you know, hey, we've, we've got to get this thing right and we've got to have these pieces. Now I think that our line is probably what, nine deep? You got your five starters. You've got Deontay, if, he is, hasn't had too many cheeseburgers, according to uh, Matt. You've got um, Elf. Elf is a fine depth piece, in my opinion, yeah. um, because he has he can play three positions across the interior. Um, you've got Cade Mays, so that's eight. And then I and you can say Irving. I don't really want to, but you could say Irving is your ninth piece. Yeah. So I mean, break glass and emergency, you know, situations. I think that they realize we have enough talent now to be okay and it not be a, a turnstile over there on the left side that it was last year. I think that they they made it a point like, you know, this was embarrassing. They 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 went out and signed Elfline and Irving last year and it was an embarrassment of the numbers. I mean the money that they gave them and yeah, just they 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 made some some good decisions in this draft moving forward, and they've reverted the, the two pieces that they shouldn't have signed last year to essential backups, which is yeah. which is what they are. Yeah, and I mean the Cade Mays thing, I I didn't have him on my radar as so much. I had some other interior later interior guys on my radar, but from everything I've seen, it seemed to be a great pick. Um, he's a big Bojangles fan, and he was sponsored by them, so that that goes a long way here in here in Carolina. Um, but I got a text or a tweet, I can't even remember now, from a, a Tennessee fan saying that we're, we're going to love him. So, um, I mean, so I, we'll see there. But I guess fourth round, we drafted Brandon Smith, linebacker out of Penn State. Uh, it's, it's a Matt Rule pick if I've ever seen one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he made sure he mentioned that there was a, or they, they made sure they mentioned that Matt Rule was a former Penn State linebacker. Brandon Smith had no clue who who they were yeah. talking about either. The, 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 being the linebacker, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I didn't know much about Smith. But when I saw them tweet out his height, weight, and RAS score, I was like, "All right, I'm sold." Pretty much, I, I I had not seen film, and then the very first minutes after the very first clip I saw with uh, Ellis tweeted out. Um, him just absolutely destroying a dude on the sidelines in like a, it's like a seventy-five a to seventy. Yeah, it, it, I was gonna, I was, gonna, I, I almost, I was seventy sounded right, but I, that seemed too high, so I almost said forty-point game. But yeah, a seventy-point game. He absolutely just destroyed a kid on the sideline, and the sidelines going nuts. So I, I think, and then I've seen more clips since then. I think what we're getting there is just a, a really raw, athletic linebacker who's who's. Might not be a day one contributor, but has the skills to be a, a really good linebacker in the league. Yeah, I mean, you even look at these guys, like how they can make an uh, impact early on. I mean, special teams is going to be their chance. But Brandon Smith, you know, that just an athletic freak. I mean, he ran a 4-5-40, uh, 6-3, he's physical. He can 
be a potential middle linebacker of the future moving forward uh, if he develops how the staff hopes that he can. Um, Amari Barno is another guy uh, running a 4-3-40 as a defensive end linebacker hybrid. Um, and then the other guy that we didn't mention was a seventh-round selection out of Baylor, cornerback uh, Kalen Barnes, ran a 4-2-3-40. So on these guys, I mean, at least if we're going to – if you're going to take chances on guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, at least take chances on the high athletes. Um, those are the ones that usually pan out. I mean, it's, it's, at least they can contribute. And I think that they really emphasized uh, the RAS scores, athletic testing uh, on these picks. I mean, like I said, Barno uh, had a high score. Barnes had a high score. Brandon Smith had a high score. So you're valuing the, the athletes. I mean, Keith Mays, I mean, he's six foot five, 300 pounds. So you know, these guys are slouches. So if you're going to take those chances or if you're going to use those picks late where a lot of those guys don't become starters. Um, at, at least give yourself uh, the best chance for one of those guys to pop. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, but overall, I think Scott had another great draft. Um, he gets all the credit here. I'm not giving any to Matt the Rat. <laughs> well, I think if you if you let Scott do what you know Scott's good at doing, this is the type of things that happen. And I'm sure, and I'm sure there was probably times where Rule was was trying to pressure Scott into making a trade or whatever, but he, he proved last year how how good at this he is. You think you think he, so? There were some tweets coming out that there was some dissension in the draft room, people not wanting to trade up. Do you think it was Rule? What, do you think it was Rule wanting to hold picks so that he could get his Jimmy G or his Baker, knowing that there was going to be a quarterback? Or what do you what do you think the move was there? Because it almost feels to me because the quarterback being McAdoo's guy that that the rule wasn't wasn't really sold on the quarterback route. Well, you know, rule loves a good reclamation project. So, and and all along, I thought that rule wanted the the rookie to have another excuse for a bad year, but I think he might be on a hot enough seat that he really wanted the veteran to have a chance at nine and eight. Just look at the schedule, man. You're not you're not going nine and eight. Just, I, I, I don't see it. And, and, and we, not, we talked and about I'm, it last episode. We struggled to come up with four wins and, yeah, going, going through it. And the offensive line is great. The the weapons around Sam are great. But still, but when you have a coach who doesn't – I mean, who's out of timeouts in the first quarter and makes dumb decisions and lets booze dictate what he calls on the field, I'm not going to have a lot of hope to, to get to above 500. Yeah. Um, but – I guess back to the draft, any surprises, names you want to talk about? I've got a few that I, I've got a name I'd like to talk about for a second. Here. <laughs> I'll throw yours out there because I know where you're going. You're going with Cole Strange. Yes, I am. Um, so you, when you talk about me, you can just put me in the same sentence as Bill Belichick from now on, everybody, <laughs> because I've been, I have been blowing the Cole Strange horn for, what is it, two or three months now, Matt? Yeah, yeah I can dig back. It's a senior bowl. So what, what was that? March, February, March, somewhere in there. I think it's February, but it might be March. I don't know. But I mean, I admittedly said he would be a great day two pick for somebody. He'd be a great, he'd make a GM look smart for picking him day two. All the, like I had him, I've been mocking him to the Panthers with our 137 pick for back when I started doing mocks and, then he started rising to where I couldn't mock him to the Panthers because we didn't have a second or a third. And the dude goes in the first round to, to 
to New England. And I'm just – I love the pick, but you got to think he probably would have been there in the second. I don't know if they had a second-round pick, but I, I love the play. I love the player. He's a starting offensive guard in the NFL this year. No matter who picks him and when, when they pick him, he is he was going to be a starting offensive guard. Possibly center if you want to slide him in, but I think guard. Talk about a climb, though, that guy had. You were getting him, what, like fourth rounds of mock drafts? Yes. Yeah, and and then, I mean, you saw Sean McVay's reaction. I don't think he thought that he had a chance at going in the first round. That's why he said they spent time uh, mocking him at like 104 or 106. They had guys scouting him. Yeah, so I think it's said, pretty pretty big shock. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a very Belichick pick, and I mean, people uh, had plenty to say about the Patriots draft. Um, say what you want, Bills. Bill has produced whatever, whatever. Uh, but that that was one. It, it shocked the crap out of me, but it was like it was a little bit. It put a smile on my face just knowing that I've been high on the guy for m- months now, and Belichick takes him in the first round. Um, how, how about Nicobe Dean falling to the third? Yeah, I mean, he was in our top 25 ranking. And I mean, I think they talked about it ad nauseum on, on the, the broadcast. That's a first, it was a first round talent. He should have been a first round pick. And then everyone was like, when it, when it got, when the sec, second round started, everyone's like, well, we kind of expect him to fall off the board pretty quickly. And then the medicals leaked. Mm-hmm. That that he messed up by not having surgery at the end of the last season. And ironically enough, his family's saying that he's not going to have the surgery. He's going to be able to play, won't miss any time, to be ready to go, you know, for the season opener. So if that's the case, that that was just an absolute steal. And and I know we didn't have the capital to get up there. Any move up we were going to make was going to be for a quarterback. But I mean, we were talking about it in the group chat. Like, you know, if, right now. I wouldn't be mad at a move up for Dean. Uh, oh. Like when, 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 when we were talking about it, like we all said that we wouldn't, I mean, we kind of expected any move up to be a quarterback, but at that point, that's just value. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles had a great draft leaving with Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean and then uh, AJ Brown. Pretty damn good. Yeah. I, I saw the, some people giving the Titans some crap about the, the AJ Brown trade. And I, I think sometimes a, a change of scenery is just, just needed for people. Um, and they're like, well, you took, I mean, Traylon Burks' comp is AJ Brown, um, as far as what he could possibly be in the NFL. And yes, they leave with somebody who could possibly be that, but they also don't have to pay him a hundred million dollars. So I, there's something to be said about that too. Yeah. If you're the Atlanta Falcons and taking Drake London at eight, uh, <laughs> what do you, how do you how do you really justify that? You don't. I mean, I had I had London in my top twenty five. I mean, I think he was certainly you could somehow have him in the conversation for wide receiver one. Um, I don't think any of the, the receivers except Jamison warranted a top ten pick personally. Um, and James, I mean, Jamison without the injury probably would have been a top ten pick. Not yeah. probably would have would have been a top ten pick. Not probably. Um, and I could have, I could have seen somebody taking a chance on him injury, even with the injury, but that is what it is. The Falcons are going to continue to make stupid decisions like drafting Ritter over Corral and Willis. I mean, Ritter, the number two quarterback, uh, the Saints didn't take one. 
and the Bucks are still rolling with Kyle Trask. Well, I mean, they're rolling with well Tom Brady. Yeah, but. <laughs> as, as far as quarterbacks of the future, that that's how things look at the moment. I don't, New Orleans, I don't really know what 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 their uh, plan is. I don't I mean, even know if they even James, have one. James has a two year deal, so. We'll take some. He's going to play tight end this year, so. I I think that the the teams the way it looked to me, and they mentioned this on the broadcast. Somebody said, "Is this uh, an inclination that the teams are this low on this year's quarterback class, or this high on next year's quarterback class?" And and the response was both. Is is kind of what the the consensus of whichever broadcast I was watching was was that people were low on this draft class, but they also didn't want to waste a second-round pick when they thought there was a good chance they'd, they'd use the first-round pick on one next year. Now, teams like Tennessee probably changed their mind as it got to the third round, but it, but that's just – because that at that point, that just becomes great value. Yeah, and, and I think Tannehill's owed $27 million next year, and it's not fully guaranteed. So you can you can cut you can cut him post June first next year and save all twenty seven. So it's going to be another situation like Garoppolo's in this year, pretty essentially. Yeah, but, and I mean, I wouldn't rule out someone like Garoppolo or now that that's there mentioned. I wouldn't rule out someone like Garoppolo or Foles coming to to us this year. By the way. Yeah, if we will Foles just got cut today and they saved eight million. And then, you know, uh the Baker situation still got to sort itself out. I mean, I really don't know where else they turn to if you're Cleveland. I mean, Houston maybe, but they seem set on rolling with Davis Mills. Yeah, I don't know. But as much as I like Matt, it would I think an ideal scenario is he sits and and learns. And if the season does get out of hand, then you just kind of throw him out there and some meaningless stuff. But uh, Foles, as much as you want to knock him, that's a great a great guy for him to learn from for a year. And same with Jimmy G. While I don't think he's all that talented, he knows the NFL. He learned from Tom Brady. So uh, I think both of those would be guys that I, I don't want Baker anywhere near Corral, um, but I still could see it happening possibly. But Yeah, well, if you're not going to give Matt a chance to compete for the starting job, then you got to bring some type of real competition in here for Sam because – you know, I you know I know that they came out and they said that you know Sam's going to be our starter or Sam's our starting quarterback. Uh, we're we're going to bring uh, Corral along slowly, but you you got to give somebody to push Sam because you know if he goes out there and you know has another three or four interception games back to back and you know looks like the way he did down the stretch last year, then you know you're 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 back in the same situation you was last year. Are you bringing PJ Walker in and just making sure Matt just doesn't go play? I mean that's that's a whole other different conversation, but. Is that a bad thing? I, I know you guys want to. I know everybody wants to win. Oh yeah. Is I it mean, necessarily no. a bad thing to be back in that same position? <laughs> no, I mean no, not I mean not really because you're going to get a high draft pick and your foundation is pretty much set on at least the offensive side of the ball. I mean you. I mean then I mean you could spend a draft pick on a, a top receiver next year, possibly. Well, I mean, I mean if if the quarterback class is as good as everyone thinks it is. We end up with a six trade. You trade out. And I mean, because if you believe in Corral, which at that point. I I mean, it's four years, four years to figure out if he's good. 
while I said before you could still draft a, a guy next year, I just would – I'd find it hard to do. Yeah. So, uh, I think at that point, you, if you end up with a top 10 pick again and the class is as good as everyone says, trade out. Well, and you got a new you got a new coach at that point because if we're picking top ten again, there there there's either going to be a new coach or no fans in the stadium. It's one of the two. Thinking thinking ahead, and I don't know why this just hasn't resonated with me until now. But you know, Sam's contract's up after this year, and then you're on a third round rookie quarterback deal for the next four or next three years. So that opens up a lot of a lot of money uh, and a lot of spending that you potentially do because. You know, as you've seen, the kind of formula now is where you can, if you have that rookie quarterback and you have the control of him, you have years where you can go there and spend money at these other positions and really surround them with the talent before you have to cut costs. So you have a window where you can essentially go for it. Well, and I'm not saying they're going to do this either. Robbie's money is mostly non-guaranteed next year. CMC has an out next year. They could really have a lot of space um and and right now with 32 i don't know how much of it we're going to spend but some of that rolls over into next year if you don't spend it all right and i gotta look at the free agent classes to see what's coming but i mean it's it's a good situation it's a good problem to have we're finally you know out of this whole revolving door of quarterbacks i mean sam 19 million this year 18 million that's that's tied up to that so that would essentially put us up to 50 million you know, if we if we didn't have that, just yeah. This should have been a much better offseason. Should have been no and I mean we even convinced ourselves to like the Sam trade when it happened, but we should have had another pick in this draft. A pick that could have been somebody like a Nicobe Dean or someone of that's that caliber. Um and we should have had 18 more million in cap, and we probably have somebody like a Tyron Matthew or, or a Jadavion Clowney already on the team. Um, if you have that extra, that 18, or you bring back Reddick, <laughs> you bring back Hassan yeah. with that 18, but I just hinted at what I was going to talk about later. Those are the two names that left out there that I think you take it run at one of them. Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, you, you have the saints now trying to make another run back to Tyron since they didn't draft a safety, but uh, I mean, our guys have been very open about wanting to add another safety. And I thought that's what they were going to do in the draft. Um, but Phil Snow and Rule have said that's a position of need. So, yeah, but why why don't you get into it? I mean, edge and safety are their biggest need. There's not a lot of teams out there that can pay these two guys what we potentially could. Well, linebacker is the other the, the biggest need, in mm-hmm. my opinion, um, especially with the, the pending legal matters. I don't know much about um, the status of that. But even with him on the team, I still think it's a pretty – pretty much the weakest position outside of Shaq. Um, and I don't see Shaq replicating his season from last year. I just, I just don't, but there's not a linebacker to be had out there. There's not any good linebackers on a team. So you, the way to support that linebacking core is to add a safety, like, like Tyron who plays in the box a lot, even, I mean, or, and, and by, by, or if you have Tyron, he doesn't, and don't play him in the box, you, you're able to roll, chin back into the box more it, it, it opens up so many possibilities for that defense to have three really good safeties on your roster 
yeah, I don't think that they're done spending because you're, you know, now you don't have to make that trade for that veteran quarterback. So you have all this extra money where you can upgrade those positions of need. So why, you know, why not at least see what the number is and see if these people are interested. Yep. And then, I mean, the other, the other name I named Jadavion Clowney, um, I don't even know what a, a number would look like for him. I think, I think Honey Badger's number would probably be a little higher, but um, Clowney isn't what he used to be, but he's still being very productive. We lost Reddick. YGM probably is going to step up. We also lost Fox. Um, we did add Ionitis. I, I just, I, I think the, the, the pressure is going to be a little bit lacking this year. And I, I don't think Barno is ready to step in and be uh, a full contributor quite yet. So it wouldn't hurt. No, you're, you're right. I think that's the one area of concern on the defensive side of the ball right now on the outside of some, say, middle linebacker position. Uh, last year, getting pressure wasn't the problem at all. It was stopping the run. But you look around, and I'm like, you know, where, where's where's it going to come from? Because Brian Burns had trouble even getting free at times last year, even with Hassan Reddick across the ball from him. Yeah, so – We'll see how it goes, um, but I, I would expect at least one major or two medium, two medium level signings of what's left. With that, with thirty, with, we've got the the most cap of anyone left. Yeah, so gonna have to do something with it. Um, all right, wrapping up on the draft. Uh, who is who? Do you think had the best draft out there? Man, that's a tough one, but I'm gonna go with the Ravens. Yeah, uh, they had two of my favorite players in the draft, both in the first round. Um, just, I, I, I think I said the same thing about both of them. I said that Hamilton is a ten-year All-Pro type of player, like I think pro, a ten-year Pro Bowl type player, and I said the same thing about Linderbaum. That's a ten-year Pro Bowl center, and so to to walk away from with both of those guys, that's that wins the draft alone, in my opinion. I, I do also think that somehow the Jets had a really freaking good draft too. Yeah, they did. Um, I, and I, I did. I didn't like Wilson at ten personally. I thought that was not what I would have done. But to get what they got at four and to trade back up for JJ, that, I mean, that was a heck of a first round. Even if Wilson just even if Wilson was kind of a reach at 10. Yeah, the three that stand out to me are Baltimore, uh, Jets, and Giants. Uh, Giants with with Thibodeau and Neil early, uh, the Jets with what they did, and then, like you mentioned, with, with Baltimore. I mean, to come out of that draft with Kyle Hamilton, uh, Tyler Linderbaum, David Ajabo, uh, Travis Jones, and uh, uh, Daniel Vallely, uh, and then on top of all that, they, they picked up two really good tight ends late. Uh, even with the trade of Hollywood Brown, they still got Lamar help. Um, I mean, they have another guy where they can run two tight end sets now with a Mark Andrews, and they can move him around the field as well. Ajabo was a first-round pick prior to injury. I mean, he was like a top, yeah. top 15 pick prior to injury, and all yeah. you had to do is just be patient for a year. And that's like adding uh, – I mean, you, you hear jokes and broadcast banter like this all the time, but that's like adding another first-round pick next year for – a mid second is what they took him 40 40 something right yeah 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 so so for their second this year they basically get a, an extra first round pick next year 
Yeah, he's, he sits this year, rehabs the injury, and he comes back next year. And, yeah, he would have been a first-round pick if healthy. I mean, shit, if he was fully healed, he still probably would have been a first-round pick because the medicals would have been fine. Who – and this reminds me of another medicals guy that, that would have been a first-round pick if he weren't for him. Who, ended, who did – ended up drafting uh, Damone Clark? Because he – his medicals were super con- – his was a spinal fusion surgery, but he would have been a first-round linebacker if it weren't for that. He was like his- – uh, I want to say Dallas did. Um, yep, you're right. I think I remember that now. So. Uh, yep, that's what it was. It was Dallas. Yeah, so another guy sits a year, and you've got uh, first or second-round talent for, I think, that was third or fourth round pick because of, I mean, spinal fusion surgery, you're going to be a little, little worried about that, but. Well, look at the Justin Ross situation. I mean, that, that tells you, uh, I guess the fact that he's on sign still, and this is a guy who, what, three years ago would have been a first round pick by all projections. Yeah. I mean, he was on a team with T Higgins and who was the other guy in that room, that wide receiver room and was the better player on the team. Yeah. Uh, God, who was the who was Clemson's other receiver that year? Um, he's in the NFL now. Somewhere, I don't think he's like killing it, but I I cannot remember. But Renfro was, might even been on that team. It, I, I think it's Renfro. It's got to be. Um. So he's a, he was the the lead, the best receiver on a on a in a trio of Renfro. Higgins and him and him and I mean here here's where he's at now I don't I don't know why you don't take a chance on that guy I mean I would have I would have been fine with taking him in the seventh than taking a chance on him because seventh round picks I mean when was the last time a seventh round pick contributed for us oh for us God I mean I don't outside of a kicker I wouldn't be able to tell you our sixth round picks don't even contribute to us because they're IR IR um, long snappers so yeah, yeah, that's why you don't take the long snappers in the NFL draft. But yeah, so look at it this way: we get an extra six-round pick this year because we're getting a long snapper back. Well, <laughs> if he can make the roster, I, I mean, we we gave uh, our current long snapper more money again. So I don't, I have no clue what's going on there. It all makes sense. It's all it's it's part of the brand. That's what it is. The brand, man. What a. Speaking of the, the Cowboys a minute ago, did you see where Jerry Jones held up uh, their rankings like at the press conference when they asked him, like, why did you take – or when they asked him to take uh, about when they took um, Tyler Smith, uh, they said they had him rated above Zion Johnson and uh, Kenyon Green. And Jerry literally turns around this their ranking sheet and holds it up to the press. He goes, see, we, we, we had him ranked above Zion and, and Kenyon, and he, like, made a big old spectacle. It was, it was just – it was real weird. Um, the whole Dallas brass was up there. I mean, I almost don't hate it though. I, I almost, I almost don't because our owner's too scared to even do something like that. Um, at the what? end of the day, and and also talk about putting some confidence in your rookie. I that that, that draft pick was head scratching. I think that was one of the first ones in the first round where we were all in the group chat like, "What in the world was that one?" Um, yeah, Jerry's really – I don't know. He's He's been out there this week. That just came off the heels of the whole Taco Charlton and uh, Randy Gregory stuff where uh, 
I think Jerry tried to blame it on Steven saying that Taco was his pick and this and that. I don't, there was some banter on Twitter. Uh, Taco put out like the gif of um, Woody Harrelson in Zombie Land wiping his tears with $100 bills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's leave it to leave it to Dallas. Um, all right, let's uh let's wrap this up. Anything else you want to add? Any any remarks? Um, overall thoughts about the draft and uh, I guess the uh, coming months as things will start to ramp up here over the next two or three, hopefully. Um, I mean, it's just funny to see some of the the people uh, talking about Matt Corral now, like how we've we've got us we've got us our quarterback now, fellas, and look at this film; it's pretty good. And so on and so forth. It's just sorry. I to it's just it's the same people that were talking about Malik Willis for three months. It's it's just hilarious to me. Well, he had thirteen rushing touchdowns last year and twenty passing ones to five interceptions. Believe it or not, he he's 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 a dual threat too. But <laughs> playing in like Corey always says when he, when it comes to evaluating talent, I want to see the guys play in the SEC because that's that's the top guys. I mean, like the defensive line, offensive line. Corey couldn't be with us tonight, but that, I, I know that'd be something that he would say when it comes to Corral. When you look at the level of competition that he played week in and week out, and and, and, and did pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I just just to wrap it up, I couldn't be happier with our first two picks. Uh, after that, it's it's depth pieces, that are developmental pieces, and uh, you, you hope you hit on two of the four. I think I think that's all you can ask for with those four guys. Um, but the top two, that's you, you. We walked into the draft with really three glaring holes, in my opinion, and you filled two of them, and you've got a piece who might be able to fill the third. If the top two pan out the way that we hope that they do, then we've got foundational pieces for the next 10 to 12 years. And two of the biggest needs that this franchise has, has had over the last, I'll say, f- three years, but the offensive line more like, 15, 13, somewhere around there. Um, if you can shore up those positions, you've done yourself a tremendous favor. And you now you at least have a, a solid foundation to where you can do the things that we've only heard talk of. So hopefully, hopefully Icky and, and Corral are the answers. And I, I think that one for damn sure is, and the two I have very high hopes of. All right. Well, um, we'll be back here in a couple weeks, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, just like I said, very excited about how things went. At the end of the day, we did what we needed to do, and we didn't acquire a player that's going to be here for a one-year deal and cost us $18 million. Now we give up assets. Yep. And, I mean, look at it this way. Even if we continue to be just terrible on the field, we've got the draft to look forward to every year because Scott Fitter just continues to have really good drafts. <laughs> All right, that's it. So let, let Scott do what Scott does. It's the only man in that building that I trust right now. But you guys know how we feel. Anyways, we'll catch you later. Later.